Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. It's December. So Yay. <laughs> we talked about your grinchiness last week, so I think everybody knows what to expect. <laughs> It's not just that. It's just there's always so much stuff that goes on in December, too. It uh-huh. just seems like it's a, it's a crazy busy month of kids' musicals and just shopping craziness. Yeah. There's always a lot of stuff at church and my birthday thrown in. So there's a lot to do. I feel like I sound like extra like husky sounding my voice today. <laughs> uh, a little bit. It's, it's, it's your early morning voice. It is. It's my morning voice. Oh, I had something I was totally going to talk about, like, in our rambling, and I don't, I, it's gone. That was, like, two days ago. <laughs> I should have written it down. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember. If there was something I was going to talk about 30 minutes ago, I'd have no idea what it is. Yeah, well, I never said it out loud to you. Not that even if I did, you would remember, but. But you would remember if you said it out loud. Uh, that's true. I would remember. Um, oh, I, maybe it was because I got the feedback from Melanie in Canada that she tries, it has to be after Remembrance Day, um, but usually it's like December 1st, so that's in Canada when they know to decorate for Christmas. <laughs> so she still broke their rules. No, it was after Remembrance Day, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. All right, I see. She just normally doesn't wait till, she normally waits till December 1st, but her kids were home at a certain time, so. I gotcha, I gotcha. Thank you for educating us internationally. I appreciate it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's good to know. It's good to know. <laughs> it is interesting. You care about it way more than I do, but yeah, it is interesting. Because I like to learn things. I like to know this stuff. You never I know don't. when it'll come in handy. That's what Google's for. But Google's not the same as talking to an actual person about it. Like we got confirmation on the wombat poop. And I, while I have Googled the square wombat poop, it was good to hear from an actual Aussie that, yes, wombat poop is square. That's true. That was interesting. See? That was interesting. Oh, I think I was going to talk about Class Action Park or something. If you aren't watching our live videos where we do the 100 outside the 100, um, we've had some interesting discussions. One was the square wombat poop. Um, and last time we talked about Class Action Park, um, where if you have it, or it's action, it was called Action Park. Um the documentary is called Class Action In Park. In Jersey. But there's a documentary called Class Action Park. 18 years, this place was like having people leave with broken bones and injuries and many deaths and no insurance. is crazy. Yeah, it, it, was, it, was a great, it was a great documentary. So thankfully, our very own Fred has survived Action Park. But the fact that he went there is, it makes me worry about how much that place jostled his brain and broke his body. That's what made him like our podcast, apparently. <laughs> Must be. <laughs> uh, we've got some awesome riveted members, that's for sure. Part of that, um, Jason sent out a plea last week because one of, we had some friends visiting um, visiting us for like Thanksgiving, and they like I think they've been gone almost four years now. They moved out to Missouri from Ohio, so that's like an eight-hour trip. It's the first time we've seen them in almost four years, and we were hanging out playing games, and they played Camel Up, and were obsessed with it. And we were trying to find them a copy, and it was like I think really it was really expensive because it's out of print, and it's great, yeah, and it's good. So we got a shout out to our fickle favorite, my fickle favorite for a long time actually for this is Brent. 
who had a copy and offered it to our dear friends. Brent, you're the best man. They sent us pictures of them playing it, enjoying it. I think they played it with their kids. Um, yeah, it was all four, all four of them playing. You guys are awesome. I like. I constantly am telling people, people that know us. I'm like, oh yeah, I have a podcast. Like, oh really? And then I tell them how many people listen to it, and they're like, really? And I said, I know, right? Not only can I believe that that many people listen to me and Jason ramble on about board games. But the fact that you want to interact, that you are, it's just such a great community of people that like games that are just good people willing to help each other out. I mean, you guys are awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. And Brent, that was awesome. Um, I appreciate you stepping up and sending it to them. And no matter what you think, it was not for me. It was for them. I can send you the picture proof if you want it because I have a copy. He was fighting with me. I jokingly, I think, but he's like, sure. If I, if I see, if I send this game to Sason Jamith, I'm going to know that something's up. I was like, it's not for me. I have a copy. Like, <laughs> yeah, but uh, thanks. You, you guys are great. So the awesomest of the awesome this week, my fickle favorite Brent. Yep. Pretty awesome. Now that we have talked about how awesome all of you are, let's move on to News, crowdfunding, Kickstarter. Um, I was told by one of my friends this week that I cost him a bunch of money. And I said, well, it's because you backed it at too high a level, man. You know that. <laughs> That's true. I do not talk about stuff on Kickstarter just um, to make you spend your money. I just want to let you know what's out there. So this week I am talking about one game and yet I'm talking about one Kickstarter and yet three games. And that is Thrones slash Dice Kingdom slash Siege of Valeria. I think actually they have it posted on Kickstarter as three new Valeria games or whatever. Um, Yeah, probably. They are Thrones of Valeria, Dice Kingdoms of Valeria, and Siege of Valeria. And Jason actually has played and done videos for two of these games. So if you want to talk about the two that you um, played and I'll talk about the one that you didn't. All right. So they sent us two to take a look at and post some videos for, and we looked at Thrones of Valeria and Siege of Valeria. And let's talk about Thrones first. Um, cause that's the one that I know the most about because I remember the most about it. And Thrones of Valeria is a trick taking game. It's a two to six player one or three to six player one. I can't remember the exact player count, but the way that this game works is, there's five of there's five suits. Each suit represents a house, and the houses are different colors. At the beginning of each round, you're going to draw these um, house tokens out of a bag, and they're going to go on the, the central board, and there's a coin value. It's going to start with five. I think it goes five, three, two, one, negative one, negative three, something like that. And then what you're going to do is you're going to be playing a trick-taking game. You have to follow suit just like normal, and every card has a special ability and the cards range one through nine and there's three jesters which are like the ultimate trump cards so when you play a card down you do what the card says some cards just give you straight up coins the point of the game is to have the most coins at the end of each round over like three rounds i think and some cards will just give you straight up points some cards will let you steal coins from other players some cards will let you manipulate the values of the houses changing the value and changing the suit that is the highest trump card So you're trying to jockey the position, play the right cards that you can play, get as much coins as you can, and ultimately win the trick with the best house. Because when you win the trick, you get money based on where that color of the the house is in the lineup. So if you're playing the highest suit, which is worth five, and then someone, a couple other people come around and they adjust the value of the houses and that house goes down to the negative three section. 
and you win the trick with that color, you just lost three coins. So you're trying to, you know, keep your house to a good value, trying to get coins, trying to screw other people over, but ultimately keeping the house card that you play, if you're going to win the trick, high up in the positive coin territory. And I think it's uh, two or three rounds, whoever has the most money is the winner. And that is Thrones. Siege of Valeria is a solo um, tower defense game where basically you have these, there's like four rows of cards out in front of you that you need to attack to win. They're going to be attacking you every round, so you need to attack them first. And the way that that works is you're going to have some dice. You're going to have red and blue dice. It's like uh, attack and magic is blue. Attack is red, magic is blue. You're going to roll the dice, and you're trying to get values on the dice equal to or greater than the requirements on the card to defeat the card. When you get the card, it's going to come into like your hand, and you can use it as a special ability, then it's out of the game. The goal of the game is to ultimately defeat a certain amount of these siege engines, which are like catapults. You need to kill all the catapults before the catapults and bad guys kill you. Uh, I played this probably four or five times solo. I didn't even come close, but I'm not good at games, so that should be no surprise. But it was it's brutal. It's hard, but it's a nice puzzle, and it's a nice way to have a lot of fun with a game that's only solo. So there's no cooperative mode. It's strictly solo. So if you like to play solo games, this is a game you should check out. So that's Siege of Valeria. Okay, and so the last one is Dice Kingdoms, which is a roll and write game. And so in Dice Kingdoms, and I think there's also a solo mode for this as well, um, you have two player boards. So one is kind of like a, I don't know, your personal like uh, inventory almost, and the other one is a, has a map on it. Uh, but they, they really do work together. So on each person's turn you are going to roll six dice. Two are black and they're harvest dice. And so they will trigger items on everybody's board. They're going to um, activate these different kind of citizens that you might have um, active. And they're going to allow you to put marks on the places on the board. And then the other dice are what you use um, to decide what you're going to do in your turn. And you can, the different colors correspond to different parts of the board. Like the red die corresponds to like your military might and you can like build up your military to go fight these monsters. And if you like defeat them first, so you move farthest on this track, you get the biggest points and then, you know, less as time goes on. Um, there's uh, like a green one that's the road. So it allows you to um, move on these dots like along this map and so you're moving to kingdoms um and when you go like to one of these certain kingdoms you get like a bonus sometimes it's an ongoing sometimes it's like an instant and then you're trying to collect kingdoms because collect kingdoms that are connect connect kingdoms and collect the connections are going to then give you points at the end of the game as well. Along all these different tracks are little stars, and those are going to give you points also. And then there's a, a, a third die that's yellow that is money, coins. And all of these are kind of um, are added together with a blue die that's kind of like your multiplier die or whatever. So it adds to points to that action. So with the yellow one, you, you combine like the yellow and blue or the, you know, red and blue. So the yellow one will give you coins. Um, coins are like filling up to get to these like plinths, plinths, I think that's what they called it. Um, and then when you do that, you can actually get this goal card that'll give you some end of game scoring in addition to what you get in the game as well. It looks like a really fun little roll and write where everyone can potentially get something on every person's roll, and then you've got lots of different ways that you can decide to go um, with the dice that 
that you roll. So I, I think that looks good. So those are the three new Valeria Kingdom games. Um, like the Miko does the art. It's, I, I feel like this, <laughs> they have a lot of these that are Valeria. I don't know how developed the world is necessarily, but it's just art. I think that's it. It's just cons- consistent art, is it? Yeah, but it's it's nice art. It's kind of fun. So if you like the Valeria games, or if you're interested in a solo tower defense, a roll and write, a trick taking game, check out this Kickstarter. There are six days left um, by the time this episode drops. One game will run you thirty bucks. If you want all three, it's seventy five. That that doesn't seem too terrible. They have like a a two game one, I think, but. I think two games is 60, so it's, yes, one game times two. It's just, it, it, it doesn't sound too bad, but seeing what I saw in the couple that we looked at, 30 bucks for one of those seems a little high, but again, the production is going to be a lot nicer on those than they were on ours, so right. that's that's true, too. Yeah, and I know a lot of people uh, like the Valeria games because they, they tend to be like a fun play, but they're not, you know, like super difficult, but they've got like a lot of variety in the different mechanics that they use in those games. So check that out. And since we talked about three games in one, that is all I have for crowdfunding this week. All right. So let's talk about some games that we played. We're going to talk about three games this week because why not? It's our podcast. We can talk about what we want. Um, so we actually did play some games because it was a holiday. We've had a couple game nights, and yeah, so let's just, let's get chatting. Uh, the first game we're going to talk about is a game that was on my top 100 that Katie said she never had played. So we rectified that, and now she's played it. And it is called Clinic Deluxe Edition. If you just have Clinic, it's fine. It's just this is the new version. And what this game is, is I talked about it before, you're running your own hospital. You're trying to set up the most efficient hospital that you can to get patients, doctors, nurses, orderlies into the rooms so they can help patients and ultimately earn you money. You have to earn money so you can spend money to keep your hospital growing. With that, there's a logistical puzzle of, you know, parking people's cars when they come, putting some greenery around so when people get cured, they can see greenery and it makes them happier, makes them pay you more. Um, Do you want to use one or two buildings on your campus? Because two buildings scores money, but it's harder to get people over there. How are you going to use your escalator or teleporting network? I think it's supposed to be an escalator, but it's called teleporting in the rule book and just what's the best way that you can take all the actions spending the money in the most efficiently as you can to score the most points uh the interesting thing about this is there's a time track every movement you make it getting someone into a room of your hospital is going to take time every three or four time loses you a point in the game so the more time you spend moving people around less points you're going to have at the end of the game um so yeah that's it um i talked about how much i like it so let's talk about how much Katie liked it because she spanked me. So just go ahead and uh, we'll lead off with that to get that out of the way. I did. Um, which I guess is why looking back, I feel like this game isn't that difficult. Um, I mean, there are... I beat Jason real bad. It's not real difficult at all. <laughs> There's several moving parts, but I felt like, like for me, you kind of need to develop a good engine. And once you do that, then it's like no thing. My problem was I... I created a lot of time because there's a couple of special buildings you can get to help with time or maintenance costs. Um, And so Jason quickly, since he went first, snatched up the time saver one, which (laughs) did me a lot of good, huh? (laughs) Really boned me. Um, 
because at first I, I spent a lot of time, but after the first couple of rounds, I developed a really good engine. So I was, um, you know, curing like two to three patients every round, which gave me a butt ton of money. And then when you use that money to buy points, I knew I had to do a lot of that because I was going to be using time. I'd used so much time and he had saved so much time. Um, so, and then I also, you know, I bought two, I hired two orderlies, which was saving me like six bucks every round. Um, I didn't buy, I didn't hire a ton of extra like nurses and doctors because I had a really good setup as far as like teleporting people to move them around faster and, um, having like a room with built-in nurse and then with a certain specialized doctor, like that was always getting me, you know, I don't know. Like I felt like it really wasn't that hard, but we also ran our patients and I feel like that shouldn't happen either. So maybe I wasn't playing it right. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if we were curing people correctly. Uh, I, I know you have to only cure the people from the certain types of doctor office in that room that's connected to that. So maybe we weren't doing that right or something. I don't know. Oh, but I can move people. If you could move people around, like. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't there has know. to be a reason why I ran out of cubes. It doesn't make sense because you only put like 20 cubes in that bag and you refill cubes all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I thought it was fun. Like, I like the idea um, working on, like, how am I going to get people moving, moved around efficiently? Like, how can I score that extra money? Like, where do I, what do I want to put my money into? Um, so that there's that my hospital is useful, but that I'm able to then convert it to points. So uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I would definitely play again. Yeah, um, I like it still. I did terrible, and I think I need to look up how how we do um, cure the patients because we might have been doing that wrong. Because I don't see why we would run out of cubes. But now that we played this, now we got to play Small City because that's another game from that designer that sure. we've had for a while and haven't played it. All right, so. Clinic, good game. Next up is a game that I picked up on Black Friday just because I was out, and it's called Cat Lady. So we went from a super heavy, <laughs> thanky game called Clinic to Cat Lady. Cat Lady is effectively, it's a little drafting game. Um, you're trying to collect different types of cards from a grid or a row based on where you put this little cat token. Wherever you put the cat token, you're going to take all three cards that the cat's facing. You can never take from the same row that the cat's in unless you have a special card. Um and then what you're trying to do is you're trying to get cats, you're trying to get food, you're trying to get toys, you're trying to get costumes to score the most points. A cat's only going to score positive points if it's fed, it needs certain kind of food, the food is chicken or meat, I think. Yeah, I don't know, it's a chicken leg, tuna, and milk, and there's also wild food, because, you know, we like to eat wild food. And then if you can't feed it, you lose some points, you're trying to collect sets of catnip that's going to score you points for every cat. You're trying to get the most costumes, because you get a pile of points. It's just light, it's fun. We played it with um katie's grandma and she's fed her cats so that was uh you know the goal so yeah i enjoy cat lady it's simple i like santa monica better it's the same designer but i did enjoy cat lady so what do you think of cat lady i liked it i thought it was cute um i we also got the expansion so i really want to play it with that because i feel like i would like that other level of like added stuff and then i think it would make it really good um i w- <laughs> Of course, I wish we had the deluxe edition with the shape components, but the cubes are fine. Um, but the artwork is cute, and, and I like the idea. I think there's some um, neat ways to go about it. And also, you know, I like Multipass to Victory, so I I had a lot of the cat toys, which I think helped me do well. 
Oh, yeah, there's tons of ways to score points in this game. For as simple as it is, you can basically try to score points however you want to. Right. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, so, yeah, it's a good game. Uh, anybody can play this. It's easy to teach the rule books like two pages. It's simple but fun. And once we try the expansion, it may I may like it a little bit more because it adds a little bit more stuff going on. And the last game we're going to talk about is a Martin Wallace game. So we played a Martin Wallace game, and this one has color in it. It's not just tan and brown, and it's called Via Nebula. So this is a Martin Wallace game from Space Cowboys. They do lots of other games like Elysium. Um, I know we have some more than that, but that's the only one I can think off the top of my head. And um, Oh, and Black Fleet is them. And what you're doing in this game is you're creating a network and a route. So it's Martin Wallace. But in this one, you're trying to create meadows in this land that's covered in fog to be able to get resources that you're discovering in the land of pigs wheat brick stone and wood to your building site so you can build some buildings score a card and get maybe a special ability it's a it's a race game where you're trying to be the first player to build five buildings that triggers the end of the game you get a two-point bonus and then whoever has the most points after that is the winner uh, you got to be efficient when you're building your building. So if you collect too many resources at your building site and you have four and the building that you're building only needs three, the leftover resources go down and they give you negative points. And yeah, it's it's a simpler Martin Wallace game, but it feels kind of like brass light and it looks nice. And I had a really good time playing it. So what did you think about Via Nebula? This is one of those where, like, the name is stupid. Like, it doesn't have... I don't feel like it has anything to do with the game at all. And it sounds like a space game, which automatically I'm like, ugh. <laughs> it, it does sound like a space name. It does. Like, why the heck would you name it that? Like, the artwork is super cute. It looks like Imperial Settlers artwork, which we've talked about. But it's not the same guy. We checked. Yeah, not um, the same artist. But normally, I don't love, like, network slash route building just because I'm not particularly good at it, but it wasn't bad. And it had shaped meeples, these little piggies. And, you know, I love the shape resources. So <sighs> that made it fun too. Um, but I think it's, it's really interesting because you're all like competing for the same contracts. And so it's like watching other people still building your network. And really like, there are lots of different ways to play this. Um, I just decided, I was like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, build these buildings. Well, like I quickly realized, oh, I'm building them very quickly. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to go with it. And we're just going to race to the end and try to get maybe some in-game points or something to help me win the game. I did not. Um, I wasn't super far off, but I did not win. Um, but that is a perfectly valid strategy as well as, you know, maybe – Instead, going after your own private contracts instead of the ones that are open so that, you know, you're really working on getting good points or, you know, completing those because you might get a bonus off of one of the visible contracts or, you know, placing more meadow tiles. Like I really thought I I only placed like four out of um, like 18 or something, I think, which would have given me more points if I had done that. So there's just lots of different ways to play it. It's light enough that I think it's a very accessible game, but there's also enough going on that, you know, you have to stay engaged. So I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm surprised. Yeah. And uh, we were having a discussion at the table. Katie had these buildings that looked, <laughs> they could have gone either way. Like we didn't know what way was top. But then when I was doing the video, I noticed on the player board, 
it shows you when you take that action, it has the building set up the correct way. So it was actually um, the flat part, not the spiny part, was the top. No, it does not show that in the player board. Yes, it does. I saw it when uh, when you take the action of building the building. Mm-hmm. It shows you putting the building on the tile, and the building is the correct way on that action. Oh, I didn't see that around. Yeah, I didn't notice it either until until we were until us doing the video. Because I was looking at the picture of where you put like if you have, if you have too many resources on a place where you're going to build, and the overflow go there and give you negative points. Um, I was trying to look at that picture and imitate it, but it wasn't close enough. I know. It actually shows the piece on the board, which was interesting. Well, just a side note, but yeah. I placed them I both ways went, just for fun, so. You did. The way that I thought it went was wrong. The way that you thought it went was right. So there is that. You were right again. Ooh, All right. yeah. Um, I want you to edit that and just play it over <laughs> and over again. I'm not going to do that. Um, so that's the games we played. Let's move on to the continuation of the top 100 games of all time. That's right. We are still working on our top 100 games of all time, and we are closing in. I mean, it's beginning of December, and we are starting with number 50. So we're working through the 40s, no matter what Jason may say. Um, we are giving our games that are in the 40s. Um, you will notice that there is lots of overlap um, between Jason and I. Not necessarily that, oh, within this list, we have games hitting the same numbers or even within the same 10. But there are some that were in my list last week or the past couple weeks and vice versa, just because we we do play a lot of the same games. Um, How much we like them is variable, as you will see. But um, we do like a lot of the same games. So bear with us. If one of us gave a really terrible description of how the game plays, maybe you'll get a better one. And if you hear both of us talk about a game, um, then you'll know it is good. So um, Jason is going to start with his number 50 in this episode. So basically, if you hear me talk about a game, just wait till Katie talks about it and she'll talk about it correctly. That's what she was saying. That's <laughs> not what I said. <laughs> so my number 50 is a game that's probably most people's in most people's top 10. And honestly, it would probably be higher in my top 10 if we played it more. I've only played it a few times and I like it. And it's Terraforming Mars. Uh, this is an engine building game, sort of. You're uh, basically using cards in your hand to terraform mars you're trying to get ocean tiles out on mars you're trying to get greenery tiles out on mars you're trying to build different certain buildings out on on mars so you can activate some cards in front of you to score some points it's all a game about playing cards to work with other cards other symbols that you have in front of you to score the most points um there's in-game triggers i think you have to get oxygen um heat and one uh, and all the ocean tiles out. You got the heat and ocean need to be at a certain level, and all the ocean tiles need to be out to trigger the end of the game. And then whoever has the most points at that point is the winner. Uh, everybody knows what this game is. Um, it's fun. It doesn't have necessarily the greatest art of production, but that doesn't take away how fun the game is, and that's why I like it. So my number fifty, Terraforming Mars. I do like Terraforming Mars. Have I talked about this yet? I don't think either of us have talked about it. I don't remember, but who knows? That's weird that I haven't talked about it because i i do like this when we tried the aries expedition everyone's like oh it's going to replace terraforming mars they lie um yeah oh well i I will talk about it soon i like this one a lot (laughs) yeah i think you like it more than me but because you're a lot better at it than me but i do like it yeah i like that you can do some really cool engine building stuff um that it's like a some good hand management um, I think the oxygen level needs to be at a certain part, not the ocean level. It's oxygen and heat, and you have to put all the ocean tiles out. Right. Um, 
and that's I think that's what I thought Aries Expedition was missing is I, I liked the different types of placement and things that you can do. Um, but we will talk about that again. <laughs> I promise. Uh, my number 50 is a game we have talked about on the pot. No, on the video. Yeah, I think I talked about it on the video. Um, but I like it better than you. And that's Victorian Masterminds. Um, this is a Simon game. Yeah, it is Simon. Yep. Look at that. Oh, and this is this the one that's Antoine Bauza and Eric Lang? Yes, that is correct. Look at me. I can learn, people. She can be taught. I remember that from when we talked about it on the video, which was literally probably three or four days ago. But I remembered. Um, so Good Victor- job. Thank you. Victoria Masterminds, it's got this really cool, like, steampunk theme where you are like an evil mastermind. And you're creating a doomsday machine and you're going around and you're taking buildings and you're just being evil. And it's fantastic. Um, But the way you're doing it is really interesting because everyone has a set of gears, which they didn't have to use that as a component, but the components are freaking awesome in this game. You have a set of gears and there's... uh, a different type of worker on each gear. And some of them maybe give you double um, a resource or they help you like take a building or they negate someone else's action. And so you are placing your workers secretly on these different locations and they go in a pile based on who went there first, upside down, right? And then once it reaches like, capacity which is i don't know three uh yeah i think it depends on player count but or three it might just be three yeah i'm not sure just at one gears at one location you flip them over and you resolve the actions of the ones placed there i think that's a really cool concept um you're also as you're then building your doomsday machine as you're getting these parts um, from the different locations and you're building these different sections of your machine you're unlocking um bonuses you're like the ability maybe to sort through all of your gears because otherwise it's almost like a a deck builder in a way. Not a deck builder, but those games where you get a hand of actions and you have to play through them all before you can go back to the ones you've already played. I'm sure there's a name for that mechanic. I don't know what it is. Concordia does it. That It's that same kind of deal. Yeah, lots of games do it. Um, but you can unlock a certain part of your doomsday machine in order to be able to just freely sort through the actions that are available, the workers that are available to you. Um you could get these, like, what are those expert-looking, like, head guys? They scientists. Like, scientists allow you to, what, take extra turns and... Yeah, take extra turns, um, pick a discarded worker that you can use again. They just break the rules a little bit. Yeah, so you're, like, developing those, um, getting firepower then to help fight off these secret agents that are trying to thwart your evil plan. Um, it's it's really fun. Like, and I think the theme is super cool. The artwork is so good. The production value is amazing. Um, I, it's just a fun game. So my number fifty, Victorian Masterminds. Yeah, it's lower on mine just because of that bad experience last time. But if someone wants to play it, I'll definitely play it. I like it. It's fun. All right, my number forty nine. You might have talked about it already. I don't. I don't know. I it's a uh, dice. It's Dice Forge. Um, this is a game where you're rolling dice that you're going to be customizing as the game goes on. So that means you're going to be taking faces off that you start with to get more powerful faces. So when you get that that die face, you're going to have better stuff that you're accumulating. On your turn, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to move your pawn to buy a card using gold, uh, not gold, I'm using the fire gem or the blue gem to buy the certain card. It's going to give you a special ability. It may just give you points, all that kind of thing. Or you're going to use the gold that you have on your player board to buy some die faces. And then you're going to upgrade your dice. So you have two dice. 
So you can upgrade them multiple different ways, multiple different faces. And at the end of the game, you're just trying to have the most points. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, you're just trying to build the best engine, but you're building the engine on dice mostly. And this is one of those games where you get something on every player's turn. You're always going to be rolling your dice. You're always collecting resources. And then on your turn, you're spending those resources to either take a card or buy dice faces. It's real fast. It's real easy to teach. Um, and it's a, it's fun. So that is my number 49, Dice Forge. Yeah, I talked about it last week. It's such a good game. We haven't played it for a while, and I'd like to play it again. Yeah, I need to bust, I need to bust out the expansion and actually learn it correctly, I think. <laughs> right. My number 49 is one that Jason talked about, I think, last week and, or two weeks ago. And it is the reason that we hate Tim over at the Board Game Rundown, <laughs> but also love him. One, one of the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly Dan that can't stand. We like Tim. Yeah, that's true. Except that's for true. the fact that he has this game and how to play it, and now you can't find it. I mean, you can, but we will never pay for it. And that's Lords of Vegas. Uh, Lords of Vegas, wow. Super out of print, and then they went and reprinted it, but only this super deluxe edition that is ridiculously expensive. Did I just say ridiculous? <laughs> you did. Which way did it go? Which way did it go? I don't know where that came from, but that's how ridiculously expensive it is. It's ridiculous. Um, but this game is so cool. You are trying to build up casinos on the strip and the, the block or so behind it. Um, so cards are flipping over for these different properties. You are paying for them, claiming them, putting your little hotel, like casino down there, um, placing a die in there. But other people can, you know, saddle up to that casino and it can grow based on the colors of casinos that go next to it. And then you've got this big conglomerate and, oh, someone's like, yeah, I want to I wanna own that because I want to get pay, a payout from that. So they can decide to try and restructure the organization and take over, hostile takeover. So it's just like dice rolling, backstabbing madness. And it's really fun. Um, legitimately, have only played this once, but it was such a good experience. It was such a fun game um, that I'm like, I, I desperately need to own this game. Um, but Jason is not desperate enough to shell out real money for it. So too much. One hundred thirty nine dollars. That's insane. It will stay on the Holy Grail list for quite some time. But it is at my number forty nine. Lords of Vegas. Thanks, Tim. Jerk. Good game. Yeah, I already talked about it. And probably if I played it more, I would like it even more because this has got me all over it. Random dice rolling, um, trying to just push your luck a little bit. I like that. Well, I feel like that theme is accessible to a lot of non-gamers as well. Like, it just would go over like gangbusters, man. Yeah, I agree. So my number 48 is a game that we do have. And we like quite a bit. Well, I like quite a bit. And it's called Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein. I like it a bit more. Oh, nice. Uh, so this is the only plaid hat game that I like. <laughs> uh, this is a worker placement game where you are basically trying to go around the city. I think it's Paris. Is it Paris? Mm-hmm. You're, you're taking your meeples and you're placing them around Paris. You're trying to collect, harvest organs, bones, skin, maybe animal parts to ultimately construct a monster that can keep Frankenstein's monster company. That's the storyline. And you're doing that by maybe you're going to go to the back alley, you're going to kill some fools to get fresh organs. You may go to the morgue to get some less fresh organs. You may even go dig up a grave because you need a lot of bones. Um, but all that stuff could bring the cops after you. Definitely killing somebody in the alley is going to bring the cops after you. 
But then if you get tired of that, you can go to the, the church and you can repent, do some good works, get the heat off. And then when you do all that, you're trying to shock your monster to life and you're going to get points for building parts, bringing them to life and all that kind of thing. It's a, a, a fun game. It's got some events that show up that change the game around a little bit. Um, but at its heart, it's a worker placement game where you're constructing a monster. I like it a bit. I think the theme is awesome. It's so dark and creepy, but it works. So my number 48, Abomination, the Era of Frankenstein. Yes, this is good. I like it one week maybe better than you. <laughs> um, my number 48 is a Stonemeyer game. I remembered the name of the company this time. Um, and it's a game that is based on a book series that I've not read, which to me is like a criminal act. But it's I, probably right up your alley, too, because it's like Hunger Games type stuff. I know. I still haven't read it, but maybe one day I will. And that game is Red Rising. And at first, I wasn't sure if I liked this game. And Jason, like, bad-mouthed it to me a lot, too. Um, so that didn't help. But the more I play it, the more I really, really like this game. So in this game, there are so many different factions of cards. There are all these different colors. Um, we also have like this super pretty deluxe version, which is amazing, but only has one downfall, which I will mention later. Um, so it's all these beautiful cards and all these different colors. And you start with a hand of cards and you're going to build a tableau. Well, no, you're not going to build a tableau. You're going to keep a hand of cards. Now, yeah, you're building the tableau in your hand. Yeah. I, it is. It's in your head. I build it on like this tray in front of me, which they provided. Um, but the thing is, like, oh, this game is so easy. You will take a card. You will play a card and take a card. That's what you're doing. However, where you play a card triggers certain actions. You might get this particular resource. You might move up on a couple different tracks. Um and then where you, what kind of card you take is like, okay, now what am I going to do with this? And all the cards have these special actions. So playing them is triggering um, certain actions. Keeping them in your hand is allowing you to generate points for the end of the game. So you're constantly trying to change your hand to end with the best hand. And certain cards need other cards Um to make the most points, they will fire off of other cards. They will get disadvantages from certain color cards, certain types of cards. Like it's just like this whole intricate network of the way the cards feed off each other. And you're just trying to keep focusing on the maximized points for the end of the game in your hand. That is so interesting of a challenge to me. Um, I like the artwork, the production value is insane. Um, all those things just make this game so good. Um, at two, I think it is harder. I still really like it, but you don't get to see as many cards at two. And since so many cards rely on other cards, it's really helpful to see all the cards and to get different colored factions out to trigger different things. However, there are workarounds for certain things, so there's a way to deal with it. But I can see where this is better at more than two. Um the problem with the deluxe version is these colors for the player pieces are so sticking close together. Uh, it's hard to tell who anyone is if you don't try and pick really disparate colors. But I really enjoy this game the more I play it. So my number 48, Red Rising. Yeah, higher player counts. I definitely like it better. It's I don't like it as much as you by any stretch, but it's growing on me. Growing on me. All right, my number 47 is a game from... Uh, shoot, what's this game? What's his name? Wolfgang. Mm. 
Amadeus. Mozart? <laughs> no. Wolfgang Warsh, the Quaxo Quedlinburg designer. Oh. And this, I was looking at the box. And uh, <laughs> this game is Taverns or Tiefenthal. Uh, this is a dice drafting, dice placement game where you're trying to build up this tavern to acquire customers and brew beer. You're trying to brew beer so you can attract more customers to your tavern, ultimately to get nobles to come in and you want them to sit at your tables because they score a pile of points. Um, it's kind of got some deck building too. You're going to be using some money that you get and some beer to acquire cards, put into your deck to become new customers into your um, tavern, getting extra tables in your tavern, getting like a built in waitress. So you can always draft extra dice. It's, it's just a, it's an interesting game. It has like every mechanism known to man in it, but I really like it. And it's a terrible explanation. Sorry. But if you want to check it out, I think we have a, at least a playthrough or something that you can go watch. So my number 47, The Taverns of Tiefenthal. Yeah, I don't like this as much as you. It's okay. I did a really bad description of it as well because we haven't played it for a while. Um, the guys at the board game rundown rave on and on about this. And it's a good game, but I don't think it's that great. But maybe I need to play it again. I like it. I've played it more than you. and I, I agree with them 100% on this. <laughs> my number 47 is a deck builder. And... As we all know, I love deck builders. Um, this one is Heart of Crown. This is from Japanime Games, I believe, right? Yep, that is right. Um, so in Heart of Crown, you have kind of two phases of the game. And I think maybe you talked about this before somewhere. Yeah, I, th- I think I talked about it on a video. I don't know. Again, they're all run together, people. So in the first half of Heart of Crown, you are obviously working on building your deck in order to get a lot of points by points generated so that you can then throw those points into backing a princess. So the theme of the game is a king dies. He has seven daughters um, who are going to, at some point, one of them is going to inherit the kingdom, inherit the crown, heart of crown. So you play through this first half, you're really building up your deck, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to back princess, right? Each of the princesses um, have a different special power that you can then use. So picking, choosing which one you think is going to be best, it is really like backing someone because you're deciding what their strengths are if, if it's what you want to be put, you know, your time and effort behind. And then you are starting to help them gain... Um, political support and lands in order to actually achieve the crown in the second half of the game. It's so fun. I love the theme. Uh, I like the idea of that, like female succession to the crown, because you don't normally see that historically. Um, The artwork is cute and not slutty, um, which is nice, a nice change. Um, However, this would be higher if there, I felt like the synergy between cards was better. Um, you almost have to be really particular about which cards you set in the market at the beginning of the game in order to make sure that they really hit together, work together to make the gameplay enjoyable. Um, but overall, just a really good game. And it's I like the idea of kind of these two like separate phases. Um, so that's my number 47, Heart of Crown. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, the back of the rulebook has like 10 recommended card setups. You definitely should probably use one of those and not pick random like I did last time. Um, most deck builders, you can just pick random, but Heart of Crown definitely is not one of those. So just keep that in mind if you want to play it. Uh, my number 46 is a game from Portal. 
Uh, we don't have a ton of Portal games in our collection or on our lists, but I like this one. And this is Legacy, the Testament of Duke de Crecy, or Crecy. I don't know how you say his name. <laughs> and what you're doing in this game is you are effectively building a family tree. You're starting out with, you know, the royal family. And then as the game progresses, they're going to have kids. They're going to buy mansions. They're going to do good stuff in the community. Those kids are going to have kids. Those kids are going to have kids. And you're just building the legacy of your family, ultimately. You're doing that through some worker placement. There's a main board you can go to gather some things, like get mansions and stuff. And then there's spaces on your own personal board where you can go and have kids and you know get married and all that kind of thing. It's an easy game, to really. It's not super difficult, but the problem with it is because you're building, every player is building a family tree, it can take up a ton of table space really quickly. I think you're playing over four rounds, and each round you start another column on your family tree. It gets big. So just keep that in mind if you want to play it. You're going to have to have a big table or figure out some way to minimize how much ta- table space it takes up. So if that sounds good, you should check it out. It definitely is good, so go check it out. My number 46, Legacy, the Testament of Duke de Crecy. Yeah, this will come up in one of our videos. It's like just outside my top 100. I think if we played it more, it might move up higher because there's a lot of interesting things happening in this game. Not a lot of games function this way, um, and so it's really cool. My number 46 is a bag builder game. It is ugly as sin, but it is super fun. And that is Orléans. Um, In Orléans, you are um, pulling workers out of a bag to put down on a board in order to get better workers and um, move around on this map to collect your points um, or send workers off to like... uh, the market or the town square or something. Is it, I don't know what it's called. Um, it's the, I, I don't know. I think it's the town board. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and there can score you points there as well. Um, you, you're also, you know, placing things on the boards, moving these different tracks to get points that way as well. Um, it's just, it's so good. Cause there's kind of the, not push your luck, but the luck that factor of what am I going to pull out? And then how do I use the workers I pulled out in the most effective way possible? Like I, it's just really good. And we haven't played a long time. We have an expansion, um, which is also fun where you're, is the selling goods and stuff. That's part of the expansion, right? Uh, yeah. The picking up and deliver. That's yes. the expansion stuff. Yeah. So there's a pick up and deliver kind of component that can also be fun to add to this game. Um, there is one of those Shem Phillips games that's like it, but in my opinion, it's not quite as good as the OG Orléans. So that's my number 46. Yeah, I like this. I'm I'm not looking at my list of what's coming up, but I'm pretty sure this is higher for me. Probably. Uh, my number 45 is a game that I really want to play again because I, I like it. And we played it a lot when we first got it, and then it just kind of like slowed down. And that's called Gugong. This is a game we actually backed on Kickstarter. That's right. Um, what? Yeah. And it is effectively a worker placement game, but your workers are cards. So every card has a value. And when you place a card down to a location, it has to be a lower value than the card that's already there, I believe. There's ways to break that rule. You can pay some influence to do that, but you're not going to get the bonus of the place of the location that you're going to. And each of the locations are different. There's a boating section where you're going to be moving this boat around to try to get some bonuses. There's a, a section up at the top of the board where you're moving this, you're traveling by horse to collect different types of tokens that are going to give you bonuses. There's a section where you can collect jade. 
There's a section where you're going to get some in-game goals that you can achieve. There's a section where you can build the Great Wall. And then there's a section that's like the espionage track, which is effectively a turn order track. Whoever's highest up on that gets to go first and it breaks ties. The least fun section, but it's important. And there's the ultimate section, which is in the middle where you're trying to climb up the steps to visit the emperor. And if you can't make it to the top of that track, you automatically can't win the game. So it's one of those games where you always have to focus on that, but you need to do some of the other stuff too to make sure that you're not falling too far behind in points. It's a fun game. It has great production. The deluxe edition is incredible. Every bit is custom shaped, different colors, game trays, just gorgeous production. And I would like to play it some more because I really enjoy it. My number 45, Gugong. Yeah, this is my number 100 and it is fun. The problem is two players is not good. So I think that's another reason why it kind of fell off as far as plays goes for us. Probably. Uh, my number 45 is a new game both new to us and i think new to the realm of games um we bought this at origins maybe it's new to yeah origins and it's new to america it was out in korea for a while okay well thanks koreans um (laughs) the game is floor gardens um this is a really neat game where you are trying to paint these landscapes and you're doing that through a series of three actions um, and multi-use cards, which I love. So a card can allow you to take resources. And the way you take resources is there's a pagoda that has different levels and your card will tell you which level of pagoda to spin. So it's very like cool, interactive. And it's not like super gimmicky either because there are different amounts of resources on different sides. And then the card will also tell you if you gather resources from top to bottom or bottom to top. This is important because you only have a tiny little like wheelbarrow of like four slots. So you can only take four resources or whatever you have room for. You may get to five. Um, You may already still have resources in there and you can't even take that many. But you're trying to get the resources you need to, dang it, to fulfill these paintings in front of you. Um, So then you have to take an action, which is another thing on the card, to move resources from your wheelbarrow to your actual painting cards. Um, You also have the cards can then, there's, oh, you can actually use the cards to fulfill them. So there's like three different ways you can use each card. You've got three different actions you can take on a turn in whatever way you want. Um, each card has a specific color on it that allows you to move on these different tracks to get points. It's really fun. Like, it's super easy. I play a card and I choose one of the ways to use it. I take actions three times that way. But like, ooh, what do I fulfill first? Do I get, like, how can I trigger a bonus? Like, there's just a lot of other things going on. And I think that that is awesome. So it's a fun game. Uh, that's my number 45, Four Gardens. Yep. Also one we played over the holiday, and everybody seemed to like it, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, my number 44 is a game that we don't own, but I've played it, I think, three times, and every time I liked it better. And the third time we used the expansion, which was always fun, and I'll explain why. And that game is Tidal Blades, and this is from Skybound or Druid City. I'm not sure who put it out. The guy with the mohawk, his company, whoever he works for now. Hudson. And... Um, in this game, this is a worker placement game where you're using your, you're sending your workers out to different parts of the board to do different things. Uh, you're trying to collect cards that are going to have some kind of trick that you're trying to do in the, to show off. 
you're trying to go to this other location and use some dice to fight monsters. Kind of like Champions of Midgard. If you don't fight the monsters, they do bad things to everybody. But if you do fight them, maybe you can avoid it. Um, you're going to some other locations to move this little boat around, which will give you some bonuses. And then you're trying to get to, ultimately, you're trying to get to the locations that are on these cards because you can't complete a card until you're at that location. And then you're going to roll some dice, try to get some die faces, score some points, all that kind of thing. The expansion adds a mechanism that I really like. Like it's like, I don't know if it's called corruption, but it's one of those like you can do a really good action, but you're going to take some some negative thing where if you have the most of this, you're going to lose a bunch of points. I love that mechanism. It's like the corruption in Lords of Waterdeep. It's like the corruption in um, uh, Cleopatra and the Society of Architects. I like that. You don't lose the game in this one, but it just gives you negative points. But it's it's a great game. It has amazing production. It has nice art. I like everything about it but not enough to spend out the money that you need to buy it. So I'll just live with Chris's copy. Am I number 44? Tidal Blades, Heroes of the Reef. Um, Yeah, the one time I played this, it was fun. It felt like, I don't want to say overwhelming. There were some things that I didn't like, um, but overall, good game. I think if I played it more, it would definitely make it onto my list. Yeah, the first time is rough. As you play it more, you kind of understand what. The bad parts, how you have to negate those bad parts. Yeah, the art's really good, though. I like it. I like the production value. It's good. Um, my number 44 is another Stonemeyer game. What? I think there's only two, so I guess this isn't like the Stonemeyer section. Um, but that game is Tapestry. Uh, this is basically the game of tracks. Tracks. So many tracks. So I many love tracks. Um, it says it's like the theme is civilization building, but not really. Like... It's got vague references to the stuff that you use, but it doesn't matter. It could be themed, I don't know, making pinatas, and it would be fine. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Move the streamer track. Move up the candy track. Like, it doesn't. Um, but there's a lot of, like, resource kind of management, card management. Obviously, we've got tracks. How the tracks then, like, will trigger bonuses for you to try and just get all these ways to gather points. The production value is obscene. There's like little minis for all these different buildings everywhere. Um, we have the expansion, which is called something that I don't know. Plans and ploys. Sure. That sounds great. There's space in that one, right? I mean, there's kind of space before. There's always space. There's space at the ultimate end of the exploration track. There's space exploration. But right. that's the extent of it. Well, no, but this has like those like stars. Space tiles. Yeah, space tiles. So see. Yeah, those, those are in the base game too. It is? Yeah. Well, then what it was different last more. time? Oh, I got to be an alien race or something? I don't... What was yeah, there's there, there's new races and there's individual um, buildings that you can have if you meet a certain, like, goal to put on your player board. That's the big two changes. Sure. So you were, like, balancing, like, a player power. You're moving up these tracks. There's a lot of stuff to maintain. And I think this one, this one takes at least one play, if not two, for you to be like, okay, this is how I can do this. Um, the first play I was like, what? But I wasn't turned off by that. I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to do this better. And the second play I was like, oh yeah. And the third play and then adding, like, it just grows. Um, but the first one you're like, what do I do? And I, the first time I played, I'm like, I'm just going to move on this track. Cause it looks like it affects the other tracks. That sounds like a good plan, Katie, the technology track. And I did, and it was fine. And the next time I'm like, okay, we can do something different. And so there's lots of different 
again, multiple paths to victory, which you know I love. Um, and this is like legitimately multiple paths to victory. Like, I think I used the space tiles to win one time. Jason always likes to, for some reason, go for the military victory, which even though he's like, oh, I'm a Care Bear. I don't like mean games. Bull. He acts that way in this it's, game. It's not mean to me. It's mean to you. <laughs> right. So then I just block his spaces and all the other tracks and say, ha, ha, ha. But again, like the fact that there is that flexibility is what I think is a hallmark of a great game because maybe it's because I'm a rebel and I'm like, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it my own way. But I think that makes for an easier time for playing with everyone that I'm not saying, oh, you have to do like I do. I'm like, oh, well, do you want to move on this track? Go for it. If you're interested in finding, you know, getting these things or in developing like these different tech cards, go for it because they all are viable options to victory, at least from what I've seen. So number 44, Tapestry. Yeah, I don't know where this is on my list. I would be surprised if it's not higher. I really like this game. Um, my number 43 is a game that I've only played a few times. I think you've played it once. Twice. Uh, and this is, okay, twice. And this is called Xi'an. And I'm not sure. I think the version we have is from Surf and Meeple or something. I don't know. No idea. But effectively what you're doing in this game is you are trying to build terracotta warriors and then paint them your color. I don't know why. They just need <laughs> to be your color. Uh, but the way you're doing that is there's a little bit of worker placement where you got this little guy you're going to move around to pick one of four actions. And there's also some interesting card play. Each turn you're going to take two cards. One card is going to be like the speed or the... Um, I don't know, the initiative action order of which you're going to be doing your action. So the higher number, the f the better chance you have of going first. The second card is going to be the action that you're going to take. So you might use a card that you really want to take an action for, but you really need to go first. So you're trying to juggle that card play, and then you're going to be taking different actions. You're going to be mixing paints. You're going to be painting warriors. You're going to be building warriors. You're going to be uh, going to get some buy some cards for like some set collection and um, there's another action I just can't remember. But ultimately, you're just trying to build Terracotta Warriors and paint them your color to score for every Terracotta Warrior of your color that's next to each other. It's a really fun game. It doesn't outstay its welcome because it's only like 12 or 13 rounds. But I like it quite a bit. No one talks about it, and I don't know why. Maybe it just didn't get a lot of PR or whatever. I don't know. But my number 43, Xi'an. Um, I really want to like this. I've been to Xi'an. It's amazing. It's cool. Uh, I don't know. It just didn't hit with me, and maybe I need to play it uh, more recently after having played some other games. But last time I played it, I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think also I don't like when you play the Terracotta Warriors in your color, and like my color's almost is a lot of times purple. So I'm like, what? Why would I have a lavender Terracotta Warrior? This is hideous. <laughs> yeah, the painting or like is weird, mint but... green. I'm like, what? Like why? The painting is weird, but I understand. It's just a so you know which ones are yours. I get it, but... It just seems it's, it's off-putting odd. to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. And that would be a weird thing that would bother me and no one else. Um, my number 43 is a game that... I have another version that I like even better. I, I'm pretty sure. So we'll talk about that later. But my number 43 is Between Two Castles. Um, this is... By oh come on I can Stone Stonemeyer and Bezier oh crap yeah Bezier that's what I was trying to think of I don't know who designs it I, I'm never gonna remember that um, no idea I actually don't know that <laughs> in between two castles you are constructing a castle between you and another person one on each side 
Um, so there's a cooperative element to that, which I like. The other thing I like, as I mentioned before, is all the cool little tiles. There's all these awesome little rooms, like the the cloak room. There's a whole room just for your cloaks. Um, the puppy room and the kitten room. Like, oh my gosh. Um, that's just so fun to me. So you are working with another person. It's This is a tile drafting game. So you get a hand of tiles. You pick one for each side. You pass the stack, right? Um, this is a good large group drafting game, in my opinion. Much better than that stupid Seven Wonders game. That's right. At me if you like Seven Wonders. I'm willing to go to bat with you on that. Uh, but this game is good. Because I love regular castles in Mad King Ludwig. I assume it is higher on my list. I haven't checked just yet. It has to be. But this one, I like that you're working with somebody else. You each could have have your own goals. Each castle, you know, is going to look different between either side of you. And you're trying to, again, make the most points based on how your rooms are set up, what rooms are in your castle, um, hitting bonuses for different types of rooms, that sort of thing. Um, just working together to build the best castle. Now, it is... Tempting to say, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to make this castle over here awesome. And this other castle is just, I'm going to say, whatever, it gets the leftovers. You cannot do that. Or you can, but you will lose. Because your score is the lowest of the two castles that you are working on. So you want to kind of keep them both as good as you can, because the lowest score is what you will score with. And then you do have like an ultimate winner, despite working together cooperatively. I like that a lot. The hard thing about this game is the scoring sucks. Um, in regular castles, you are kind of scoring as you go. So it makes it like some scoring is happening as you go, makes it slightly easier. Between two castles is all at the end. So uh, we actually paid, I think, $5, which seems outrageous, but not until you see this. We paid $5 for this app that you just take a picture of the castle and it scores it for you. Saves 20 minutes. Oh my gosh. It is. Yes. It's so helpful. It is worth every bit of $5. I probably would have paid $10 for this. And it makes me actually want to play this game more because the most difficult portion of it has been solved. My problem is the last time I played it, I had a bad experience. Um, I thought, yeah, let's play this game because if you don't know how to play regular castles and you're not really into games, you have someone else to debate with to help you with the, with the castle. Um, that was a misguided thought. I was a little too idealistic. A bunch of people were like, well, like this one, I don't know what to do. Uh, and I just wanted to shake them. So I need to play it again and get redemption because I really like this game. So my number 43 between two castles. Yeah. The scoring app makes me want to play it too. That's how much I hated scoring in this. Uh, my number 42 is a worker placement game again, and it's called Rajas of the Ganges. This is a game where you are using workers and different colored dice with certain values to do certain actions. So some actions will just require a worker. You can go there to collect dice. Some actions will require you to place a worker and also use dice of a certain color and or value to do certain things. So, for example, I could go move a boat with a guy in a certain color of a certain value of dice color as a matter. I may want to build some tiles on this player board in front of me to try to connect my temple to other things, but I have to use certain color and value of dice for that because each tile has a different cost. Um, I'm trying to just basically you're trying to get money and you're trying to get prestige points and you're wanting to get those two tracks to overlap 
once the two tracks overlap because they go different directions, the game ends. And whoever is either the only person to overlap or whoever overlaps the farthest if multiple people overlap win the game. So you're trying to balance your money, balance your points, so eventually you can meet somewhere in the middle to try to win the game. It has awesome production. The dice are really nice. I like the board the board art. Um, it, my only negative is that four players that might go on a little too long, but that could just be a player thing. But I do enjoy this game, and that's why it's my number 42, Rogers of the Ganges. I like this a lot, and so we will talk about it in a future podcast. Um, number 42 is Covert. It is a spy-themed game, which I think there should be more of. I love that. So in Cover, you're like moving around this map. You're collecting these different items, um, shoe phones, forge papers, uh, whatever, that you're moving around to complete missions. You are um, like figuring out secret codes on locks. You're just doing all these different things to try to complete these missions to give you points. It's got this really cool spy theme. Um we got it super cheap and it's just really fun. And I think a super underrated game and we haven't played it for a while and I've been thinking about pulling it out again. So by number 42 is covert. I think Jason talked about it already, so I don't want to belabor. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I agree with everything you said. <laughs> um, my number 41 is a game that I think you've talked about at least on a video or something. It was on the podcast. I'm pretty sure. Okay. And it is a game from Board and Dice, one of their tea games, and it's called Trismegistus, The Ultimate Formula. And we tried to explain it before. We haven't played it for a bit just because it's kind of a beast. Uh, you're trying to draft these dice. Each of the dice are going to do something based on either the color of it or the f- face of the die. And ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to collect these different um, resources to convert them you through alchemy into other resources, probably gold, silver, whatever to be able to complete these contracts that are out on the board. That's the gist of the game. There's way more to it than that, but that's the crux. And you're doing, it's over like so many rounds, three or four rounds, I think. Whoever has the most points at the end of that's the winner. You can achieve some goals by getting these books in your bookshelf um, that once you get certain book, when you cover up spaces, they unlock kind of things. Similar to Newton, it's that kind of deal. Um, But yeah, it's fun. It's really thinky. I don't know if we even played it right last time we played it, so... There is that, but I remember liking it and I would like to play it again. So that's why I spent number 41. Trismegistus, the ultimate formula. My number 41 is a trick taking game with the most adorable artwork I've seen in a long time. And that is Hagakure. This game, I don't know if anyone's talking about this, but they should. It's such a good little trick taking game. You've got these little villagers that go from like one to nine or one to eight, and then from nine to 18, I believe. No, nine to 20. 27? I don't know. I don't know. I believe you have samurai. Um, the only trump is samurai. And the, the samurai are the only cards that you have to follow suit on. So each turn, you need to get at least one trick um, in order not to lose points. But you also have these tiles that allow you maybe to double what you're making, maybe ensure you get zero instead of negative, um, allow you to switch cards around, look at hands. Um, it's amazing when you only have one suit to follow suit on, what that does to how your brain works. Uh, it's simple. It's just like playing Euchre for us Midwesterners in a lot of ways, but you're kind of rewiring your brain. It's so easy. You play a card 
All you have to do is follow a samurai and play the samurai. That's it. But there's so much involved, the different types of scoring, and the artwork is so, 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 so cute. Um, yeah. My number 41, Hagakure. Yeah, good game. I don't know where it is on my list. If it is on my list, I might have talked about it, but it is good. I do enjoy it. It should be on your list. It's so good. All right, so that's our 50 to 41. Let's count them down real quick for you. All right, my number 50 is Terraforming Mars. My number 49 is Dice Forge. My number 48 is Abomination, the Era of Frankenstein. My 47 is Taverns of Tiefenthal. 46, Legacy, the Testament of Duke de Cresci. 45, Gugong. 44, Tidal Blades, Heroes of the Reef. 43, Xi'an, 42, Rajas of the Ganges, and 41, Trismegistus, the ultimate formula. I need more games with colons in them. Number 50 is Victorian Masterminds, 49, Lords of Vegas, 48, Red Rising, 47, Heart of Crown, 46, Orleans, 45, Four Gardens, 44, Tapestry, 43, Between Two Castles of Madikin Ludwig, 42, Covert, and 41, Hagakure. All right, we are closing in on our top 30 games holy crap um so stay tuned uh give us your lists um if you aren't part of our facebook group you might be missing out on our facebook lives where we're doing our top 200 so the 100 out of sight outside of the 100 um keep looking for that because they'll also show up on youtube like subscribe click follow message dm post We love hearing from you guys. You are awesome. Yep. And as always, check out our friends over at the Board Game Rundown. They do a show. They're okay. Go check them out. (laughs) All right. Well, December is here. Next week is my birthday. So y'all get ready to celebrate on the podcast next week. Uh, We won't do anything different. (laughs) I'll just talk about myself even more. (laughs) But that is all for us this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And... um, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. You were right again. You're 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 right again.